Welcome to the Daily Thunder Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Rabar, beat writer for DailyThunder.com. Every week, we will have guests ranging from national sports writers and local reporters to OKC celebrities and Thunder staff and players. This week, our featured guest is a great friend of myself and of Daily Thunder and of this podcast, Mr. John Hamm. He's the Thunder Insider for 1077 The Franchise. He's an NBA salary cap guru and he's co-host of the OKC Dream Team podcast, Thunder After Dark. We also chat with DT contributing writer and up-and-coming name to watch in the media game, the very impressive Ian Kayenja. Joining the Daily Thunder podcast now, longtime friend of not only Daily Thunder, but of me and myself, Mr. John Hamm. He is the uh, franchise sports Thunder Insider. He is one of the co-hosts of the Oklahoma City Dream Team uh, podcast and, of course, Thunder After Dark. He is the NBA salary cap guru that everyone in Oklahoma and really everyone across the nation goes to whenever there's any sort of question about the salary cap or there's something new like a bubble being played in Disney and everybody (laughs) has a thousand questions. This is the man they go to. How are you doing, John? You know, not bad. Uh, we are potentially about three weeks away from having basketball again, so that's that's slightly exciting. It is exciting. What have you been doing this whole time? Like, I know you have a real job. We forget about that sometimes. Right. We radio yeah. and and journalist guys. We we usually have to to hold down another job to support our our habit. But but how's life? Yeah, it it has been flipped on its head, no doubt. Um, it, essentially, ever since Rudy Gobert tested positive, um, you know, shortly after that, uh, my wife and I both became work from home. Uh, so that has basically been our life is uh, is you know pulling day jobs from home. Um, I'm still doing the occasional you know radio hit on the franchise. I'm still trying to help out there where I can. Uh, still doing you know the podcasting work, but um, you know honestly, I turned into a handyman for a while it's like all of these little things around the house that I haven't been able to get to I had time to get to it you know so took a little advantage of that uh trying to catch up on some uh you know some tv shows and movies here and there that again have escaped me over the years so I'm finding plenty ways to stay busy somehow well that's good and now you're probably going to be called on quite a bit as people get more and more questions about this this new, um, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it's, it's the continuation of the season, but there's so many different new rules that's going on. I mean, like the substitute players and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the new uh, roster restrictions and all those things. Have you, I know like doctors and, and IT guys have to kind of change with the times and they have to take new classes to update their knowledge. Are you like that when new things happen? You're like, okay, got to pull out the, uh, the old, I don't know. You got some secret like password you go into like the CBA and and read all the new rules. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because usually what happens is, you know, there's a new agreement, which we, we just had between the players and the owners, uh, which had obviously some, some, Kind of the, it was kind of a continuation of the previous agreement with a few other wrinkles, uh, you know, thrown in as well. This particular one, um, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily get a document. You know, you're just kind of following some of the knowledgeable people that have access to the teams or have access to the league and are getting that information. And so kind of following that. So, I mean, essentially, 
uh, you know, there was a, there was a small transaction window that was opened up uh, when everyone in Oklahoma, you know, finally got their Lou Dort moment uh, when right. he got his contract converted uh, and signed to a long-term deal. Um, a few other minor transactions were made. And then, yeah, there's, um, you know, there was some back and forth over how could teams replace a player? Um, for example, uh, the news today that uh, Isaiah Roby had a minor procedure on his his foot, uh, not going to Orlando. Well, the Thunder can't replace him with a replacement player, but if a player had come down with COVID like 90% of the Brooklyn Nets, right. then yes, you could sign a replacement player uh, to replace that spot. Right. That, well, that was one of my questions. So, the the team it, it sounds like everyone except for Roby um, is is good to go. Obviously, nobody really knows Andre Robertson. That's the big mystery whether he's going to play or not. Um, but other than Dre, it looks like for sure everybody else is playing. And unless is it unless they get COVID, so once they get there, let's say everybody's there in Orlando right now uh, because they they boarded a plane a couple hours ago. They they get there by the time this podcast comes out. But let's say, unfortunately, I mean, it would be terrible, but one of the guys comes down with COVID and he's going to be okay and all that. But if, if they needed to, once they're in the bubble, can they still send someone into the bubble to replace the COVID player? Yeah, and from what I understand, that is possible. Um, but you know, whoever is coming into the bubble would then have to, you know, kind of, kind of come in and go through the same procedures as other guys, and may not be available for you know a period of seven to fourteen days. Uh, by that point that player that has, you know, is being replaced might be recovered by then. So I honestly don't know how much they're going to do that. Um, I, I kind of think once the teams are there, because teams are taking up to 17 players. Um, so that gives them, you know, a little bit of a cushion if two or three guys are unable to go for a couple of weeks. Um, but I think, you know, like in a dire situation, you know, you could see that, but there is again, sort of a uh, onboarding process for anyone coming into the bubble or the mesh or whatever you want to call this thing that they're, that they've put together down there. So do you think that reworking the CBA for this kind of period is going to have any effect on the seasons ahead? By the way, I know some of the answers to these questions and some I don't, but I'm not going to let you know which ones I do and don't know. Uh, just so you, can, you can just assume that I'm not dumb and I have some of this knowledge. I'm just asking for the listeners. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a typical radio thing. It's like, right. no, I, I know the answer. I just want you to tell me. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I know the drill. Um, so, I mean – Kind of as it stands, part of the reason why they're having this NBA restart 2020 uh, to have these seeding games and have the playoffs or do their best, uh, hopefully, to to complete that um, is so that they don't have to rip up the collective bargaining agreement. I mean, the the owners because some games will be missed, um, and if you know if they miss a significant chunk of the postseason, you know they have the ability to you know declare like a force majeure, you know, rip up the agreements. Now that has some huge ripple effects, right? Because you know obviously there's a lot of of, of big national TV money uh, where I think they would have the ability to do the same thing, and if they got back to the bargaining table maybe they're not going to negotiate something quite as lucrative so you know again there's some some big potential ripple effects here which is why you're seeing them try this and why they're putting in so many restrictions to hopefully just kind of get through this and get through the season so they don't have to go back to the drawing board and potentially 
you know, I, I mean, in a worst case scenario, yeah, the, the CBA gets blown up, the owners and the players go back to the bargaining table. Uh, there's some hardball being played on both sides. And then we have an extended lockout. And that's a scenario that I think, you know, pretty much everyone wants to avoid. Yeah. And it's crazy about I mean, cause this is going to be a short off season whenever it happens. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. And there's not very many good free agents available this mm-hmm. off season. So it's going to be kind of fascinating to see how all this plays out. There's so many different moving parts to all of this. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And so, you know, when I've seen people, you know, like some people on social media bring up very valid concerns about why are they even attempting to do this and, and they are not mistaken in their concern. And, you know, the, the league is trying to tap dance around it, but it is about the near term money and the long term money. I mean, that's really what it comes down to because, uh, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you, you kick off that, the, the dominoes and uh, they start falling in a hurry. So to hopefully not set anything back a significant amount, yeah, they would very much like to uh, to get through this season and uh, hopefully start next season and, and get through that as well. But, you know, that that just feels like this giant fog trying to look forward to like November, December, yeah. uh, what the world's going to look like at that point. Check out shopgoodokc.com to pick out a gorgeous hand-printed shirt. They have a Daily Thunder collection featuring the sixth man of the year, DT logo tees, and a Together and Struggle print, which is also a part of the Solidarity Collection that reps support for local businesses and the OKC community during the current crisis. Hi, this is Olivia Punchal, senior writer at Daily Thunder and co-host of our new show, Crossbolts. Tune into Crossbolts weekdays on Twitter and Instagram as Brandon and I debate everything from Thunder basketball to NBA fashion. Then chime in with your own opinion and let us know who won the debate. But let's be honest, it's probably me. Now back to the Daily Thunder podcast. So I think that some Thunder fans are a little concerned because the loss of revenue for the entire NBA obviously is is a big deal with COVID going on. The possibility that there won't be fans in stadium uh, arenas next season, the loss of that revenue. And then, you know, you have the news that Chesapeake Energy filed for bankruptcy. Do you think that there's any sort of fear? Is it real that the OKC market could be hit hard because they're a small market? Or do you think Mm -hmm. that OKC going forward and, and the ownership and all those things are okay and Thunder fans don't really have anything to fear? You know, I, I have heard that the, the ownership is a little more diverse uh, and, and not in totally invested in oil and gas. Um, and, and so maybe that's accurate. Uh, I guess I've sort of taken because I, I never assume everything is hunky dory anywhere. Right. Uh, so I, I just I never assume that everything, of course, is going to be uh, just picture perfect. I don't imagine that, you know, there's any danger unless this becomes some long extended event, you know, that that you're going to have something like the Oklahoma City Thunder potentially having to sell and relocate. We have seen this before. I mean, I bring up the 2008 financial crisis, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, their owner went broke, had to sell the team back to the league. Uh, the Maloof brothers that owned the Sacramento Kings couldn't own them anymore, and they had to sell. So, you know, we have seen this before whenever there's been a big uh, financial recession, uh, and it, it could very well happen again. But, you know, just just a little bit that I hear here and there seems to – it gives me a little bit more ease that hopefully the Thunder would not be lumped in uh, to that potential group. 
Okay, well, that's good to hear. That's good. We're going to hold you to that, John. Yeah, uh, please do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And if anyone just wants to like email me like your books and and show me like a big number at the bottom, positive or negative, I, I'd appreciate that too. <laughs> now, do you think that this, you know, kind of crammed weird off season and the restricted free agency window and all that, you think that has any potential of affecting the Thunder's possible slate of moves? Like, what, what do you see with this offseason and the Thunder and the, you know, everything they could possibly do? Yeah, there's, you know, a, a lot of things that we've been thinking about all this time. I mean, obviously, you, you have to prepare for the possibility that the majority of this team is back next year. Um, you know, I, I you just don't know because, again, this there's going to be some teams out there that are probably, uh, you know, maybe if they were considering making a move for Chris Paul, they they decide not to now. Uh, maybe there are teams out there that thought about, you know, making a move for Danilo Gallinari that don't think they're going to and that he could wind up back in Oklahoma City, on, you know, at least on a short-term deal. I mean, I, I kind of think this this opens up so many possibilities, to be honest. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. I think what was in the Thunder's favor – is they were already on a downward trajectory in terms of their payroll. They had ramped up, uh, obviously, with the acquisitions of Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, hoping to make a big, long, extended playoff run that didn't happen. And then they started, you know, bringing the payroll back down to earth. You know, they shouldn't be in a position where they have to make any panic moves uh, or huge salary dumps. I I would imagine that probably the long-term plan is still in place in terms of building through the draft, uh, having another team that has a a good eight, nine, 10 year run in it. Uh, But, you know, I I think you have to be open to the possibility that just circumstances might push that off again another year. Right. It's interesting because a lot of people thought that, the Thunder would tank this season. Obviously that didn't happen and they got a, a surprising, fun, entertaining season and team. And you know, that, that could be delayed yet another year. The, the beauty of it though, is all those draft picks that the Thunder have from the Clippers and the Rockets trade are so far down the road. They really could bring this team back for, for another year, have another fun season and then start the rebuild. Sam Presti just has so many different options, right? He does. Um, And I think what I would caution, and and this has been said before, like you can't bank on what happens with other teams. I mean, all all these picks from the Clippers, the Heat, Houston, I mean, they sound enticing. They sound like they could be really good. They could also be the 28th pick in the draft year after year. You know, Uh, there's no guarantee. And I think back to uh, cause you know, we have to bring up the James Harden trade. Anytime you do a thunder podcast, it's required by law. Um, but the, you know, sort of the crown jewel of that trade was the first round pick that became Steven Adams. Right. And that was a pick from Toronto that at one point it looked like, Hey, this thing's going to come in like a you know, fourth or fifth pick in the draft, you know, which probably would have given OKC maybe a more tradable asset to move up. Uh, but instead, Toronto got better and it wound up where it did. So, you know, it's always dicey, you know, just yeah. assuming that one of these other teams is going to be bad, like, you know, Boston capitalized on Brooklyn. Uh, you know, that worked out tremendously for them. Yeah. You can't just assume. And, and the only thing the Thunder can control is sort of the destiny of their own draft pick. And that is where you're seeing a lot of talk on, you know, that they may have to become bad to get their own pick uh, in, in a good position to where they could then, you know, get creative and, and hopefully get another great player or two with it. Right. Because that was the thing. If you look back on the first era of Thunder basketball, the reason that they became so dominant was because they had high picks in consecutive drafts between Katie, Russ, 
Harden. Obviously, they hit it out of the ballpark with Surge. Uh, but those three guys were, you know, the foundation of what became a dominant error. Um, so, I mean, you got Shea now. He's the, the mm-hmm. building block, the, the cornerstone you know you can depend on. Maybe a future all-star. He looks like maybe that's a trajectory for him. But you've got to put talent around him. So you're right. I don't, I don't know how uh, willing some Thunder fans will be to accept it, but, but they're going to have to be bad at some point. And, you know, maybe, you know, you try to get into the Cade uh, Cunningham lottery or the Ronnie James Imani Bates. eventually. Imani Bates lottery. Yeah, those guys. And if you can nail one of those guys or, or a guy that's, you know, second, third, fourth pick, line them up with Shea, and then, you know, the next era of Thunder basketball can begin. But this is kind of a fun, weird, unpredictable bridge that we have going on between, you know, the first era and the second era. And and I'm curious to see how it goes. Now, uh, going back real quick to, to Lou Dort and his contract, you know, it's interesting because they didn't look to move Deontay Burton or Nader, anybody like that, or, or cut them and all. So they, they're going to be a taxpayer this season, correct? I mean, again, and they're going to be, uh, it's going to be the repeater tax. So, mm-hmm. you know, for Thunder fans who are thinking maybe they're going to add even more talent in the off season, why don't you guess that that's probably not likely to happen because they'll probably want to duck the tax in the next season or, or after that, right? Yeah, and you know if if everything continues on track, yeah, they would be you know they'd be subject to a, a tax bill of about two point three two point four million dollars, um, which again th- that is a drastic reduction from where they were projected to be. Yeah, also there was not a significant benefit to getting under the tax. So few teams are paying luxury tax. Uh, the payout could be nothing. It could be a few hundred thousand dollars. Like th- there wasn't like some multi-million dollar prize for getting under the luxury tax like maybe there had been in years past. Um, now, having said all that, you know, this could be the last year that OKC is a taxpayer for the foreseeable future, if, if, if not ever. So yeah, that's when you, when you look at the off season, um, you're right. This team has been has been really fun. People have sort of uh, gravitated towards it. They adore it. But this is not the sort of team where, okay, we're going to make another tinker move or two here and try to take them to the next level. You're right. It is more of a bridge. It is more of just something that uh, is kind of getting us by. I, I, I keep equating it to an airplane descending from 30,000 feet, right? right. Um, that's what they've sort of been doing, and eventually they're going to land the plane. And, um, you know, I, I think you're going to see uh, if they have cap space in the future, it's probably used to buy – uh, bad contracts from other teams in exchange for assets and sort of rebuild that way. Um, when you're a small market team, it's it's a very viable option. It's a very smart option. Heck, if you're Philadelphia, it's a smart option. It worked out well for them too, and they're not exactly a small market. Right, right, exactly. So what you're telling me is I can put all my Bradley Bill photoshopped <laughs> into an OKC Thunder jersey into the recycle bin then. Yeah, and and here is again, I, I'll put a very low percentage on them on them making that move. And I know fans, you know, because we get this a lot about going and getting Carl Anthony Towns or a Devin Booker or a Bradley Beal. Yeah. Um, even Ben Simmons came up as a topic on one of our recent OKC Dream Team pods. And obviously, these guys are all excellent players. But you you know, thinking of it strategically, 
you bring in one of these guys like a Bradley Beal, okay, you trade a bunch of stuff for him. Can you keep him past two years? I mean, history shows across the NBA, you know, guys are just sort of trying to get to one of the coasts. They're right. trying to get to L.A., San Francisco, New York, Miami. Um, those, Houston is, is sort of right below that. It's just you're sort of a stepping stone. Right. And so, but if you build through the draft and if you hit on those guys, again, go back to, as you mentioned, how this Thunder team was built, you know, you have the potential to keep these guys for eight or nine years. And, you know, build through your organization, keep that continuity together. Um, the Paul George trade was done because, you know, they needed to replace Kevin Durant and because they kept Russell Westbrook. Would not expect uh, like a, a short-term deal like that to come around again in this, in this next generation of team building. Now, do you think that, you know, speaking of not adding talent, if they were to trade away talent like Danilo Gallinari um, in a sign and trade in the offseason, that's been brought up on on Twitter and social media so often. Could you kind of walk us through that? Uh, Just explain kind of how that would go. And and some people worry that that might hard cap them or, you know, not. And then Mm -hmm. also, what kind of return could you expect? You know, I know historically you don't get much for sign and trades, but is there any – validity to the thought that because contenders won't have the chance to pick up much talent this this offseason that maybe Gallo is worth more than he would normally be worth in a sign and trade so the thing about sign and trade you have to keep in mind if another team has cap space to sign the guy outright what is their incentive to give up anything to sign and trade for him because you know they've got the space they can sign him out right the player is not going to get he can't get any more you know he can't get a a longer contract he can't get a larger annual raise by doing a sign and trade there's really no benefit to the player Um, and that's why you've seen Oklahoma City you know going back to Kevin Martin paying Minnesota I mean they, they paid them cash or yeah it was Minnesota I think they also did it with Atlanta to create a trade exception but if you have a team out there that doesn't have the cap space, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, let's just, I, I'm going to pick Phoenix, for example. Yeah, then uh, let's say Phoenix doesn't have the cap space. They want Gallinari. Gallinari, he's, he's willing to go there. Then, yeah, you could just work out a deal between the two. And then in that situation, Phoenix would become a hard cap team for a year, but not Oklahoma City. Right. Uh, the Euro, it's, it's not the team that trades the player if they receive a player in sign and trade. Uh, it would hard cap them at you know roughly $6 million above the luxury tax line. And uh, again, where the Thunder is headed, that's not going to be a concern. It's, it, it's just not a concern moving forward. As a matter of fact, they hard capped themselves this year and we didn't even realize it when they signed Justin Patton to uh, you know, his contract in the offseason. So they've been hard capped all year because they knew they weren't going to be spending anywhere above you know, the, the luxury tax line by a significant amount. Totally worth it, though, because they got Isaiah Roby in exchange <laughs> yes. for him. And of course, you know, he's going to make all the difference in Orlando. Um, yeah. <laughs> wait, no, he's the one no, player. Not so play. much, not so much, but I'm sure he's been doing, I'm sure he's lifting weights. I, everyone's yeah. been lifting weights. Maybe there's an Isaiah Roby muscle watch. This someone. So last question for you, John, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of put your feet to the fire here. It's the uh, million dollar question on everybody's mind. Dre. Is he going to play or is he not going to play? I, I, you, 
you're besties with Royce Young. You're connected with all the franchise guys. I mean, Andrew Schlett. I mean, who don't you know? Uh, you're connected to everybody. So, so give us, give us the goods. I, I know you know. I don't know Dre. That's the one person <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really hope he's able to. I am, again, just he's been out for two years and it is virtually unheard of uh, for someone to come back after a two and a half year layoff and, you know, make it back in the league and make it back as a productive rotation player. It's, you know, the odds are stacked against him. I I certainly hope that he's able to, Um, you know, indications are, I know he's been very positive about the possibility of playing, um, but I think Dre is just kind of a positive dude in general. And so, you know, I, again, I hope he's able to. I think that there is a role for him if he's yeah. able to come back uh, and, and help out on the perimeter, whether it's, you know, a 10 to 15 minute game stint. If he surprises us all and he's able to give more than that, uh, all the better. So, you know, I, I honestly hope that it is something he can come back from, but it sounds harsh to say it, but I'll believe it when I see it. And I, I hate to say it like that, but there have been so many things that have been, frankly, just out of his control um, that have, you know, kept him on the sidelines. So hopefully, again, knocking on every piece of wood around here, he's able to make it back. There you go. You heard it from the man himself, John Ham. He is the uh, Franchise Sports Thunder Insider, co-host of the OKC Dream Team, host of Thunder After Dark. Check him out everywhere. Check him out on Twitter. He is um, – I was going to make a other John Ham joke, but I don't know his yep. Twitter. I know your Twitter, and I was going to use your Twitter to send – or, I mean, excuse me, I was going to send people to his Twitter, but I don't even know his Twitter. I just know yours. So uh, the other John Ham does not have a Twitter account. However, a lot of people think that I am that John Ham's Twitter account. I was invited to speak at some graduation ceremony in St. Louis, where John Ham is from. Um, I was asked passionately to be part of someone's project, some movie that they were filming or something. Uh, Did you I, say I get yes? Those- I, I like it was like I ignored it at first, and then he came back again, and I thought, you know, now I'm I am making the other John Ham look like a jerk, right? So, um, so I replied back, and I, I think I said I would love to. However, I think you're looking for someone else. Um, so anyway, I, I do get those uh, I do get those messages uh, once in a while, even though, honest, though I plainly state not the actor on my bio, but people don't look at that. <laughs> they they might think that just, he's being funny and ironic. I, okay, so, okay, maybe so. Look at the picture. Look <laughs> at the profile picture. That in and of itself should be a dead giveaway. They might, be, they might think he's being funny and ironic with the picture, too. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Very, yeah, very, very funny. like hilarious, we should say. <laughs> all this time i've been so impressed by your twitter following you got like thirteen thousand or something little did i know that like ten thousand of those are just because everybody thinks that you're john ham the actor <laughs> yeah they're all john ham russian bots let's be honest i've only got like about 200 people like legitimate people that follow me i i know this Tell me the truth, though. Last question. If if one of those uh, movie offers was for a Star Wars sequel, you would you would have gone along with it, right? You would have you would have oh, seen absolutely. how far you could have gone. Yeah. I would have played that game. Oh yes, <laughs> no doubt. There are some ways I'm willing to compromise my morals, and that that's one way it would have happened. <laughs> 
Excellent. John, it's always great to have you on, on all our shows. I need to get you on Crossbolts as well. Everybody follow him on Twitter. Uh, and thank you, John, for joining the show as always. Thanks for having me, man. We're joined now by a Daily Thunder featured writer, Ian Kayanja. I'm excited that you're on the show with us. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, man. It's, it's, I'm excited for basketball. It's, it's going to be here in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I am pumped about having basketball back. I mean, just getting to see the Thunder play again and really just seeing any live sports is exciting, right, especially right. basketball and especially Thunder basketball. Exactly. So, and you're just the guy to talk to because you just wrote a great piece for dailythunder.com. It's called, I think it's Above the Noise. Is Yeah, so that's like my column. It's weekly, bi-weekly now, kind of just whenever I come up with some ideas. But hopefully once the basketball gets in the swing of things, it'll be a weekly column where I talk about what I'm seeing with the team and what I'm seeing with on the court and, and kind of what, what's going into the game plan every day and so it's really a space where I delineate a lot of the the just the basketball nerdy type stuff I love it I love it so the the last one that you did uh is perfect because it talks about what we can expect from the thunder in Orlando with the restarting of the NBA season so you know we want everybody to read the article but kind of give us a glimpse into you know what the article delves into and what you basically think we can expect from the thunder yeah 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 um so for like you said everybody should go read it i think it's it's pretty good but when the schedule was released i kind of wanted to take a look at each game one by one and obviously you have the the big network type things like espn and the athletic and all of them they kind of looked at the schedule and you know tried to say what would happen with this and with that and with these numbers and these numbers um, but what I noticed is nobody's taking to, into account that these guys haven't played basketball for like three and four months. Yeah. And so like a lot of the numbers that we're pulling and trying to analyze these matchups don't matter. And really, it's just like a, it was this look at the schedule from a gut feeling from what we know Thunder basketball is, the culture that Billy Donovan is instilled in these guys and the way that SGA and Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams and Chris Paul, how they all go there and, and they play like their life depends on it every night. And it's kind of that taking that gut feeling of what we know Thunder basketball is versus the teams that have been that are on the schedule. And so I took the eight games and I was like, you know, against Utah, if you take out all the the stats that we've accumulated from this point into the season, this, this is probably what's going to happen because this isn't just what happened this season, but this is what's gone into this whole Utah and Oklahoma City rivalry up until this point. And it was this really interesting look at the schedule rather than just trying to crunch the numbers and say, oh, Utah has this win percentage and the Thunder shoot this percentage from the field and blah, 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 whenever they play each other. It's just like, what does your gut tell you about this matchup? Yeah, no, and, and I love the way that you, that you wrote this article because as I was reading, I was like, you know, it really is, it's basically a new season. You really do have to throw these numbers right. out. I mean, I know that we're calling it the continuation of the season. It's but not. It's been off for, for months. I mean, this is, the, yeah. this is an off season. Uh, exactly. So, and, and in some ways, I think that'll be an advantage to the Thunder because guys like Steven Adams who pick up so many bumps and bruises along the way, he'll get rest. Darius Baisley will come back rested. And uh, Chris Paul, you know, it can't hurt him. He's, he's 
34 he's older. when the season he's, ended. Now he's right. 35. He had a birthday. It probably helps him. But then on the flip side of that, I think the Thunder had so much momentum going and they mm-hmm. had such chemistry going. Maybe it hurts them in a way too because, you know, how hard do you think it is to, to get that momentum and chemistry going again? Right. And we kind of, again, it's a new season, but we see it every single year, especially under the Billy Donovan era. We can go all the way back to Scott Brooks, but that, that's a whole other story. That's a whole different team. But in the Billy Donovan era, it's the, the Thunder teams are known for their slow starts to every year. And, and it's kind of just like a thing I've gotten used to, me being somebody that watches every Thunder game, is that the first month of the season, we're not going to look like a, a remotely good team. And, and that's okay because oftentimes there's moving parts, role players come in and they come out. We get, get excited about something. And then as the season progresses, we start seeing this team that has a lot of cohesion and a lot of unity. And that's, that's I call it the Billy Donovan effect, is that he takes these, these parts and these pieces and it will be slow at first. It, it'll probably be really ugly at first, but, but somewhere along the lines, it, we kind of find our flow again. And, but the only caveat now is it's eight games. You don't have 82 games to find that flow. And so it's, if the, I took it and I said, well, you got to take that into account. It's a new season. It's, it's these new events. And so with eight games, what's it going to be like? And a lot of it, you know, we're excited, but it, it'll be a rough eight games, if you, especially if you look at the schedule with, with the Lakers on there and then the Clippers being the last game before the playoffs start. Um, I don't like playing the Lakers. I don't think anybody does, but especially them being our third game into Orlando. And so it, it's going to be this thing of can we kind of curve what we know about the, the Billy Donovan era with the slow starts and can we hit the ground running? And you're right, it's been a whole off season. And we've seen it, it's kind of it followed the offseason playbook where we see like the workout pictures of these guys. We're like, oh, wow, these guys look like they're in great shape. And then we're reminded that you can be in great shape, but are you in great basketball shape? There's a distinct difference. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, so, and you know, maybe it'll work out well. So like you're saying, you know, it's going to take them some time to, to gel again and they'll start off slow. Maybe it'll work out those eight games they'll fall back down and get their first round draft pick for, for this off season <laughs> back, you know, right. so maybe, maybe it'll work out perfect. They'll get the draft pick back, but they'll start playing well right when the playoffs are about to start and, and it'll all work out. You know, you know I, I'm not, I'm not scared of really anything at this point in my OKC fan career. I yeah. think that it's just been uh, a lifetime of, you know, pleasant surprises and not too pleasant surprises. And so the Orlando thing, it's it's a coin flip and it's new. It's different. Uh, I'm very tentative to if we'll even be able to finish it, if I'm being honest uh, with the way that things are going. And we know NBA players, they though they care about basketball a lot, a lot of them do. They also enjoy their personal life and being in one place one when compound is a bubble as they call it for for some time now won't be easy for a lot of them so i'm really tentative if it's going to even go through i mean what are what are the chances like what happens if say chris paul and sga come down with COVID-19 how how do the Thunder even play do because then we have to call up Devin Hall and and i mean is that really a, a fair playoff series when it's something like that and so Hopefully it goes through. Hopefully everything goes well. Um, I think the Thunder are going to struggle out of the gate, especially with the front half of their schedule. But the back half looks a lot better with teams like Phoenix and Washington and with Memphis. Memphis is young. And, you know, with Washington, Bradley Beal isn't playing 
anymore, which, you know, I think you could chalk up Washington and Phoenix as free wins for everybody in the bubble. Yeah. And so I think that it'll be a real a real test of, of what this team, this group of guys is capable of. The I've I've kind of called them the pre blow up expected blow up thunder team. Everybody thought we were gonna fall off, but Yeah, and, and it's kind of been to me this kind of gravy season, whereas you know, everybody expected this to be a rebuilding or tanking season. And here right. we are, we're already clinched the playoffs before, you know, the bubble play even begins. So to me it's like this has been great no matter what happens. It's been a fun, successful season that nobody saw coming. So now, no matter what, this is all just kind of gravy now. Hopefully right, right. they win a first-round series, make it to the second round. You know, who knows what happens. But this has just been such a, a fun season overall. Now, Ian, you have been such a great addition to Daily Thunder. I, I think that Craig and John have done a great job recruiting great young talent to add to dailythunder.com. So we appreciate mm-hmm. everything that you're doing. Everyone yeah. check out – his work at dailythunder.com. Uh, and tell us, you know, where we can check you out online, anything else yeah, you want yeah, to promote yeah, this yeah, yeah. time. Go for it, Ian. Um, so I, obviously you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at I-A-N-I-A-N-K-A-Y or E-N-E-N-K. Um, and then also if you are into not just sports, but if you like reading decent writing, uh, I have a personal, um, blog that I write where I put a lot of short story fiction and just a lot of stuff that is one uplifting and two inspiring and kind of in times that we're in right now, I think we need something that unites all of us. And, and that's what I try to write too. And so I write a lot of short story fiction about, you know, just life experiences in, the different characters points of view and I think it's something we can all unite on so if you want something to take your mind off of a lot of the angst that we feel in the air in society right now you should check that out it's a medium page um it's linked on my twitter so if you just go to my twitter you'll be able to see it check him out online follow him on twitter ian thank you so much for for all your contributing to dailythunder.com and thank you for joining us on the daily thunder podcast thank you for having me Thank you for listening and for supporting the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we might just read it on the show. You can follow our guest, John Ham at John M. Ham and Ian Kayanja at Ian E-N-K, and you can follow me at Brandon Rabar as I cover the Thunder Beat. If you subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dailythunder, you'll receive early access to Daily Thunder content, including bonus podcast segments, the exclusive weekend edition newsletter, and other perks like free shirts, special pricing at local businesses, and more. This podcast is produced by Rachel Jameson. You can follow her not boring at all tweets at Jameson. Send your questions and feedback to dailythunder at gmail.com. And stay on dailythunder.com every day to catch the latest Thunder news, recaps, analysis, interviews, and all kinds of nonsense.